beloved, you are now tuned in to Three Black Men, a podcast by three black men where we talk about theology, culture, and the world around us. The following content may not be suitable if you ain't real enough. Listener discretion is advised because real recognize real. Here's the hope when we look familiar. Hey everyone, we have a special interview. We are talking to the ladies of Truce Table and we're talking about their new book. Go ahead and pre-order it. And it's called Black Women's Musings on Life, Love and Liberation. Okay. And for those of you who may not be aware of our guest, I'm just going to read a little bio so you can get a little behind the scenes of their lives, right? And Akemeni Uwan is a public theologian who received her MDiv from Westminster Theological Seminary. She is a contributing writer for Hallmark Mahogany. She is a member of the Aspen's Institute's Racial Justice and Religion Commission. She has appeared on MSNBC and NPR, and her writings have been published in The Atlantic, The Washington Post, The Huff Post, Black Voices, and her insights have been quoted by The New York Times, CNN, The Washington Post, and The New Yorker. Mm. Okay. And next we have Dr. Christina Edmondson, and she is an educator. She holds a PhD in counseling psychology and an MS in family therapy. She is a certified cultural intelligence facilitator with experiences with experiences in nonprofit higher education and corporate sectors. Uh, she often consults with organizations about diversity and equity, as well as mental health and faith issues. Her work and insights have been covered in The Atlantic, The Guardian, Essence, and CBS News. Uh, so enjoy our conversation with Truce Table. Okay, well, hello, everybody. Welcome back to the pod. My name is Robert. I'm Sam. And I'm Trey. And we are the three black men. And hey, we have a special pod, as we said in the intro. And we are joined by the wonderful ladies of Truce Table. Welcome, Dr. Uh, Christina Edmondson and Kemi Uwan. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Thank y'all, brothers. We're glad to be here. We we in the standing room section today. Hey, <laughs> giving some love today. Yeah. What's happening? <laughs> no, I listen. Welcome y'all into this space. We we are happy to have you here. Truly, um, I first before before anything else i would like brothers what do you feel about this conversation about having mm. dr edmondson and academy here um yeah i'm trying to maintain my composure because like right i'm a i'm a i'm a fan but i'm trying to be professional right now you understand i can't i can't be embarrassing us in, in front of the esteemed uh, uh dr christina edmondson and, and the esteemed sister <laughs> Kenny Huan. But no, and I'm and I'm I'm only half joking right now for the simple fact that um there 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 are obvious 
comparisons um based on what we have going on to what you guys have been doing for so mm -hmm. uh so well for so long and everything um mm -hmm. and and we in in part draw um admiration and and a little bit of inspiration from from what you guys have done and what you guys have built mm -hmm. um and so just the that you guys would honor us with your presence uh is something that i do not take lightly and i'm excited about that yeah i'm i'm um equally if not more excited um for uh majority of the same reasons um mm -hmm. i'm excited uh for the book that you guys have coming out mm -hmm. um and being able to uh and indulge and embrace and wrestle um with some of those things i think this is very well written <laughs> um if i'm being honest it's very well written um, I absolutely loved it, and uh, I'm just honored that y'all would grace us uh, during this time for that. So, Sam, I don't think I ain't noticed uh, you was like, "Oh, I'm equally or more excited." It's always a competition, so I'm gonna beat you to the punch this time. I'm gonna I'm 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 honor my wife before you do yours this time, and now you in trouble. Jessica, I love you, baby. Right. He said, "I might be more it's always see, saying what you're saying you ain't slipping. i wasn't see i wasn't even i was trying to dedicate this time to honor different black women today <laughs> selfish man i'm just saying. no uh, yeah, I, yeah, I, I, I i'm so excited uh i'll say this i as trey alluded to when we started our podcast it was out of the overflow of a text thread and a text conversation <laughs> and uh which is so interesting because i had been listening to truth's table already for years mm -hmm. and i didn't even make an explicit connection when we started ours um but people started saying oh y'all like the <laughs> y'all like the brothers of the truth I'm like let's not do that um but <laughs> this isn't like an R&B like male group and female <laughs> situation but what I have loved is being able to interact with you online in the Twitter streets mm -hmm. seeing how y'all interact uh with one another the haters the theology um and uh, yeah, and just reading your work and works has been just so inspiring. And then us starting our podcast, being inspired by how you all hold each other together, how you inspire one another, uplift Blackness and God. Um, yeah, so I'm excited. Mm. Yeah. Well, well, thank you all so much. Well, first of all, happy uh, Katanji Brown Jackson month to you all yeah amen and, uh, it's, it's a month not not a day a month it's time a to, month. it's time yeah. to celebrate and just yeah thank y'all so much for the invitation like we don't you know the way i think about um podcasts especially ones that are like birthed out of friendship and out of kind of like um a need to speak to a a, a moment in time i think of them as being like people's house and when you invite somebody into your, your home, that's an expression of hospitality. So it's not a small thing to get an invitation to come to somebody's living room. And while this may be virtual, I feel like you've allowed us to come into your living room. And, uh, and thank you. Thank you so much for letting us do that. We certainly feel that way about Truth's Table. We're like, now who are we letting come into the house? <laughs> and, so, uh, and so, but thank you all for this invitation to come into your house today. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Amen. Chop it up. Thank you. Oh, you're welcome. And before we uh, dive into your book, I wanted to ask about that, Dr. Edmondson, about Katanji Brown Jackson mm -hmm. and her confirmation 
and as Black women, what does this moment mean to you all? Uh, mm. Yes, yeah, so d- d- you segued yourself. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, <laughs> I, spirit. I, I, yeah, I'll throw out some words and then I, I would love to hear E's uh, reflection for sure. I, I think I, I think I saw you, Robert, you, you, had, you tweeted some words that I think really resounded with a lot of people about, um, you know, what it means that she's had to, in, she has had to endure so much um, in just kind of this ugly, um, sexist and bigoted and racist and misogynoralicious world that we are in. And um, so, I, yeah, I think we have to, to honor people, um, not only for their achievements, but the honor is based on what you had to overcome to get to your achievement. So, so courage is measured by risk. <laughs> and, and the honor that goes to an achievement is based on how deep that valley was that you, you had to climb out of. And, um, and while I do, not, I do not honor the suffering, I honor her, her perseverance because I know that she didn't do it just for herself. I know that she did it for the woman who stopped her um, at Harvard and whispered persevere to her. I know she did it for our foremothers um, and, our, and our forefathers. I know she did it for our daughters. And so I, I, am, I am delighted to celebrate uh, Katanji Month. <laughs> and, and, I, and I know that it's going to inspire people. There's no doubt about it. There, it's going to inspire so, so many people. It has inspired me um to to see that and um and again I'm, I'm reflecting on the words of senator cory booker you know nobody's gonna steal our joy on this so um so you know just to fight for our joy on this one because <laughs> the 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 foolishness abounds right uh these uh joy vampires are out here but um mm. we, we're gonna stay committed to katanji month <laughs> And, and celebrate the, the, the amazing history that has been made. It should not have been this way. That's true. It should not be this way, but that, that's, that also is not gonna rob us of the moment and the ability to celebrate and to rejoice. So that, that's my 25 cents, more than two cents on that matter. Um, but I'm excited. Amen. Yeah. I mean, to that, I just say ditto. Um, and, uh, you know, I think about, um, of course, we know the, the the trauma and the honestly the the abuse she had to be subjected to. We saw that on the public stage, but I, but I also saw the love from her friend. Um, I, her name escapes me. I'm sorry about that, but I didn't know y'all was going to ask me. But I, I can't remember her name. But y'all know just the, the you saw the beautiful black sisterhood on display when she was affirming her friend, talking about her character, That's her right. faith, um, and then you saw Corey. Booker, um, uh, an exemplary um, example uh, um, of what it means to protect a Black woman and what it means to stand in the gap for a Black woman and what it means to affirm a Black woman um, Mm -hmm. in the midst of uh, white male supremacy, if you will. And so that to me was just beautiful, beautiful. And then on top of the fact, Katanji being a dark-skinned Black woman, with mm-hmm. locks yes, that yes. looks like a regular black woman that is mm-hmm. not a small thing she mm-hmm. is going to inspire so many people and with the name katanji oyinka brown yeah 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 yeah, yeah. come on matters. now it matters yes yeah. run it up are deeply pro-black yes. there's a picture of her when she was three her mom is wearing dawning 
uh, um, a, a, a floor length dashiki. This is not a game, you know. So <laughs> you're talking about somebody that's very proud of who they are. Um, and so I think that there's ways that people try to downplay representation and say, oh, it's not enough, but it matters. Symbols do matter. Um, it matters <laughs> that she's there Absolutely. on that court with locks. It matters that she is the first. Do we lament that we're getting a first after all these years? Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, but we thank God, you know, and it took a lot of organizing for that to mm -hmm. happen. Yeah, she will yeah. rise. That took Black women organizing for her to get get that so yeah let's, not, let's also not forget that but ultimately it was god's will for her and i love that she's a christian and that she's out there with her face um so anyway i just i love it i love i'm gonna try to find myself to a, a katanji brown jackson block party this weekend listen brunch brunch is happening <laughs> there is a block party happening yeah i'm gonna find a way i literally was like i gotta text my homegirl today <laughs> so i'm i'm, I'm over the moon, ecstatic about it. Really, yeah. Mm. Hey, they said we out here. We That's right. Brunches and block parties. Let's go. Listen, I'm with it. Right with my K95 mask and face. Yes. COVID is right. COVID, okay. yes. okay. COVID is right. not done with us. Oh, um, it's right. Trust me, I know. Exactly. <laughs> right. Um, well, with that, let's get into your book. And that you you kind of segued it to. <laughs> um, so this wonderful book, Truth Table, Black Women's Musings on Life, Love, and Liberation. Mm -hmm. mm, it's a good book. I love, I'm a book hustler in oh, these streets. <laughs> I, be, I, I be hustling books. Listen, listen <laughs> Robert, Robert is that, uh, he's, you know, it's an, an, an ode to LeVar Burton reading Rainbow. He reads, you read, okay? Butterfly <laughs> read. in the sky. Hey, 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 hey. If it wasn't for him, where would we be? Right. <laughs> right. For real, that's right. me. Um, right. And uh, yeah, so one, it's beautiful, front to back, beautiful book, beautifully written. Um, I got just a writing style. I, I have, yes, beautiful. So Sam has the first question about colorism uh, essay and how that hit us uh, all. So go ahead. Sam. First of all, I just want to say y'all let the chopper sing on this one. <laughs> um, <laughs> y'all let the chopper sing on this one. Um, there was so much um to pull from, so much to wrestle with. Um, so much that I feel like for me personally, uh, shined a lot of light on some things. Um, and so it was really difficult to pick like. But where do I want to go? And one of the things you talked about, Sister uh, Ekamini, is the colorism right on display. Uh, and that really being an in-house conversation. Um, in the very beginning, I think like in the third paragraph here, the first thing you say is, I feel some trepidation about this subject because trauma lives here. And a lot of times we'll read something like that. And typically the first thing we think of is like, well, maybe she's saying like, oh, well, just another day in the life of a black woman. But in reality, this is compounding. Um, it's compounding. And so one of the things that I, I would like for, if you could sort of um, maybe give some context to, for people to really read your words, because when I read that, immediately I thought like, nah, this is not just, she said that, but I'm not, I don't want to just brush past that. Um, because reading your experience, what you talk about, 
I can hear the pain there, right? Um, so I would want to know if you could um, just sort of give some context to that and talk about like maybe how your faith carried you through that and in what ways that you feel like in our own community, um, in church, do you feel like it sort of hindered you, but yet just how you push through that, um, if you could sort of. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's a lot. Um, you know, yeah, I had to, yeah, I had to just write that. Yeah, I had to name that, you know, because I think there's just power in naming. Um, and I think there's power in reclamation as well. And so I think that that's in order to reclaim something, you have to name it. And so I had to talk about the fact that trauma lives here. And I had to name the fact that I was scared, you know, and, and felt very anxious about writing that chapter. And I could not um, access that chapter. It was not the first chapter I wrote because I just couldn't access it. It was really hard for me to access it emotionally and mentally. I just did not have the capacity. <laughs> At the time I was writing, when it was time for us to sit down and write the book, I just could not ex access that chapter um, because it was just difficult. It might've been the third one that I wrote. Um, and so, uh, yeah, and that's because it, there's a lot of trauma. I think we all, when you talk about colorism, every black person is gonna have something to say about it. You know, to, to wherever you know, wherever you land on the color spectrum, they have some sort of experience with it, uh, whether it be negative, positive, whatever. Somebody has something, you know, right? It, it, Absolutely. It, you know, somewhere in and men too. It's just that obviously the book is for Black women, so I did not get to explore the dimensions yeah. of colorism um, and how it maps onto men, which which black men, but I would love to read more about that. You know, and I don't know that right, that's right. my place as a black woman to even <laughs> do that, but you know what I mean? Um, yeah, well, yeah. yeah, I think it's, it's something that none of us can escape, yeah. you know, and that we all, that we all wrestle with that and we all deal with it and feel pain, I would say to some right. degrees, um, cause there's a lot of stereotyping, a lot of objectification that happens with um, colorism. That's whether you're dark or you're light. Right. Um, Again, um, and I think that even with colorism, what's interesting, I think, about this chapter is that you could easily that, yes, it's the first chapter, but it's also you, if you're not black, you can easily think, oh, escape hatch. I'm not implicated. But no, they, I even have a little something in there about how non-black people <laughs> perpetuate colorism, too. Absolutely. Um, that, that was important to me. So I so I, how I kind of um, wrestle with this or even kind of got through this was I think what's interesting about my journey is that I couldn't find answers in the church about colorism you know that that was the issue I couldn't so when I got when I came to faith this was a big thing I was really wrestling with hating myself and so I could not find the answers and I did not know how to access the answers so I had to look to Lauren Hill you know what I mean I had to look to Naomi Campbell Oof. I had to look to Mary J Blige and Erica Badu you know what I mean I had to that's what I had to do you know, in order to begin to affirm myself and then start reading, like, what are some scriptures that talk about my identity and mm -hmm. how God made me and, and me being, uh, loving myself, you know, and, and, and feeling like God did a good thing when he made me this way and made me this dark and made me with my nose and whatever other stuff that I was, mm -hmm. hating, you know, about myself. So it wasn't until I really, uh, until I got 
more deeper and more yeah. first, like in my own theological convictions that I kind of went back and started to look at some things and I had some frameworks like oh oh here it is oh here okay where's here's where it's showing up in the text and mm-hmm. uh, and I see the ways that it's also worked out and shaped out you know in the church with marital yeah. choices you know that people make or don't make or who they overlook <laughs> you know yeah. in the church because of these things and so um so yeah, so it yeah, it's, it's it was an interesting yeah. uh journey, I'd I'd say. And I just want to say real quick, I think it's so beautiful that um you mentioned in the book, like the first place, and you just mentioned it also um that you kind of turned to was sort of communal care um that was there for you. Uh it, it wasn't available in the church, the community was there for it. and and like I don't really want to get into it, but I think those are the ways that Christ shows up in our life. Like I found Christ in community. I found Jesus in community so many times. Um, and I just think that's beautiful. Um, yeah. So, yeah, something I was thinking in that colorism chapter, uh, first your writing style, um, lends itself. I feel like I'm talking, I'm listening to a friend talk. So, so many times I would either, start crying or laugh out loud. And I would feel like that is so true. Like, yeah. Um, and, uh, so that's one on your writing style. Um, and uh, I'm like, you a fool for writing this. Yes, this is so true. Um, but um, s- something that really pained me uh, in was how vulnerable you were with uh, the lengths that you went to appear lighter. And uh, I just want to illuminate that for our conversation right now is uh, with bleaching creams and just different uh, avenues that you explored and that you saw modeled around you. And you even brought this ad to play and part of the ad. Bro, I was like, when I yeah, first that, read it before you, before I look at the ad, I Googled it. I was like, nah, man, for real. And then I saw it. I was like, no way. This yeah. And so, yeah, no, it was a lot. I, I, my mouth dropped open and it says the nicest things happen to girls with light, bright complexions. And, and so when that is the messaging that we hear, I, I just really sat with the pain that that must have caused you to the point that you were willing to inflict physical pain and damage on yourself. So I'm curious for you, where you are with that and and how you wrote about it. And then even for um, Dr. Edmondson, I'd love for you to weigh in knowing that there are many Black women and men who will read that chapter who are struggling with different lengths to contort themselves to be acceptable. So, yeah. Yeah. You know, um, you know, briefly, yeah, that, that, that ad, I, I just thought I, I, it had to go in there. The, um, the woman that was in the advertisement did not make it into the book. I think permission stuff, I don't know. Um, but obviously it was a light-skinned woman, right? Um, obviously. <laughs> But, um, you know, it, it's, uh, you know, well, I don't do that anymore, thank God. Um, it was uh, something that I did uh, around, some, in high school, around, yeah, around that time, somewhere in high school, probably midpoint of my sophomore year, somewhere there. Um, and, you know, because at that time, I, I wanted nice things. I, think I, I, I wanted nice things to happen to me. And I, I saw nice things happening, you know, um, for my friends who were a bit lighter than me or who were much lighter 
uh, that me that that weren't happening, you know, uh, for me, right? So, you know, getting picked, you know, or, or not overlooked, you know, um, either if it's cheerleading or if it was um, with the boys, right? At that time, you're in high school, right? So that's what, that's what matters, you know, at that time, you know? And so I remember seeing those, those things happen. And I remember just being overlooked or cast aside or not, you know, um, esteemed. And I, you know, and it, it's not a small thing that I was in California. I mean, it matters that I was in California. My social location matters. <laughs> California is a, is a very, very hard place for a dark-skinned Black woman. It just is um, what it is. And so, um, so yeah, so I think, so So those were those, were those you know, those issues. I think, um, you know, it just, it just took a long while for me to undo a lot of that messaging. So even when I put down the bleach, um, doesn't mean, you know, that I had fully come to myself, you know, I just, it was because I was experiencing some physiological uh, damage, uh, really, that's actually what made, that's what made the alarm bells, you know, uh, go off for me, and it, it, would it would take years, much, much, several years later for me to finally, you know, I think, um, you know, to myself, and so through a lot of prayer, a lot of prayer, about this, about asking God to help me to love myself. Um, and yeah, and just helping me to love the skin that I'm in. And so, uh, so yeah, it was, a, it was a lot, it was a lot. But I, I, I do think in that chapter, yes, I'm lifting the plight of dark skinned women, but it was important for me also to talk about, wait a minute, wait a minute, this is not, I'm not trying to do light skin, dark skin. But you yeah. know, yeah, and I love that you laid that out. That's not, yeah. you know, cause I think you have to be very delicate you know, with this subject, I thought that was really important. That's why I had to bring up some of those historical examples. Of I was going to say, and, and you even ahead. brought up, you even brought up a quote um, uh, saying how um, a lot of people will um, use the term like a house, like a house, um, right? you know, uh, as it was a lighter job, but a lot of times there were things that they had their stresses, the, the sexual advances, the rape, the, you know, um, having to get the eye or whatever, or mistreatment from the wife, those things. So you weren't trying to compare and say this was worse, um, but just to bring to light some things that a lot of us don't see um, to, to bring light to an experience, the, a, a marginalized group, if you will, um, that needs some attention and some love and some things that we need to do in-house to adjust to those things. Um, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cut off, but Dr. Edmondson, yeah. if you want. No, that's to. absolutely true. So, but, but yeah, I thought that was really important for me to bring in at least just a little, a little bit, even though I'm centering my experience as a dark-skinned Black woman and talking and lifting up, if you will, the plight of dark skinned women, it was important for me to also um, stand at least pause, you know, and be like, nah, I see my light skinned sisters. You know what I mean? One of my very best friends, my, my therapist BFF, <laughs> Christina, you know, <laughs> she's a light skinned black woman that has her experiences with colorism too, which is why I'm really glad that you uh, are bringing her into this um, colorism conversation. Cause we talk about, we, cut, we talk about colorism all the time, you know, but, but yeah, see, we, we, you know, jump in my sister. <laughs> I, look, I, I'm just taking it in like I'm one of the three black men at the table. <laughs> no, no. I, well, I was going to just say that, you know, when we were thinking about how to how to start the book, right, we were trying to uh, begin the book with a very clear signal to to black women to say we, we want to start off with a conversation 
um, that we think will resonate most deeply with Black women. And so um, Akemeni's offering was just so, it was so timely. And she was willing to, I think, go there in a lot of ways, both theologically and academically, but also uh, vulnerably, like her own narrative and story. So I think it was a great way for us to invite, pe invite people in uh, into the entire book. And yeah, I mean, you know, colorism is a, is a, is a source of great shame within the, the black community, but really, you know, globally, right? So, I mean, if I, I remember uh, 20 years ago being in Mexico and turning on the TV and seeing, you know, an advertisement like blatantly for skin bleaching cream. And, um, and I mean, anybody who's had the experience of somebody taking their hand and putting it next to yours and doing like color comparison, this is part of my childhood experience, right? Um, you know, you know that people are trying to signal right away. How how am I going to think about what what am I what honor am I going to attempt to ascribe to you based on the shade of your skin, and or or deny from you based on the shame of your skin? So, um, I just think it's a painful conversation. I think certainly uh, Kimmy could have written probably an entire book, or there needs to be an entire volume dedicated to this to this topic. Um, but I, I am grateful again for the offering that allows us to come into the conversation. And I, and I think even, not, even outside of the topic of just colorism, just what does it mean to be, um, to have some part of who you are be on the bottom of the social caste mm -hmm. and to have to find a way to have to crawl away, crawl away to believing God's opinion of you over mm -hmm. every metric, every social metric that exists. Mm -hmm. <laughs> You know, to, to crawl your way past every social social metric about the way that some some feature that um, that is deemed valuable in your cultural context um, says that you don't have or you don't have enough of and to find a way to agree with God about who you are over there. And I think in that sense, this is a chapter that everyone can relate to because mm -hmm. everyone is doing their digging on some some topic, whether it's they, they say it out loud or not. <laughs> We all have the thing that we are wrestling to agree with God about our intrinsic dignity about and, and to shut out uh, even our own voice when it is not in alignment with the beauty that God has given us. Amen. Yeah, I, I um, this chapter, it, it was it was tough for me to imbibe in, in a way. It's something I've struggled with because um, I'm, I'm the son of a multiracial woman who married a biracial woman. I have children like all across the color spectrum. I got uh, a son who glows in the dark and, and a daughter who casts a shadow in a coal mine, like all, all, all that whole thing. Like, And I'm saying that tongue in cheek because those are like the lighthearted jabs that you hear and, and that might resonate with certain people. So I, I don't mean to make light of that, but this is something that I've, I've struggled with as I, as I um, wonder um, what messages that I have subconsciously consumed, right? And so I very much appreciate that this is how you guys started the book out because even the title of that chapter, The Audacious Perseverance of Colorism, serves as a prophetic critique of sorts, right? Or, or, or a prophetic declaration and announcement. So when you start talking about your own lived experience and you bring in the ad and all of those things, like my mind automatically goes to uh, the who we call the minor prophets, people like uh, Hosea, who uh, lived out all of these things about um, God's relationship with God's people and how he takes all of these actions 
to embody or or to enliven what's happening there. That's where my mind automatically goes. And I see a, a prophetic declaration in that chapter. And I think it sets a tone uh, for the book that allows a whole lot to happen. And even earlier in this conversation, you mentioned how it's kind of like an in-house discussion, which is something I'm trying to train myself to be more conscious of, particularly when I'm dealing with the Hebrew Bible, the Hebrew scriptures, that a lot of that stuff is an in-house discussion among Jewish people, right? And and I'm there um, in effect in, in the standing room for those particular scriptures. Uh, and, and and that's the mindset I bring like, okay, this is very informative. It's telling me something about myself, even if I'm not the intended or target audience, I'm learning right. about myself, right? That's right. And, and that prophetic tenor that, that you have put forth in addressing black women um, helped give me a fuller idea of of this reality that we live in like something was unveiled in that sense so the um it, it was um eschatological in that sense that, that i got to see something and with that in mind i'm gonna pivot real quick see see how smooth i do this real quick um because <laughs> the, the, uh, i, I want to talk about the essay uh that you wrote dr Edmondson, reborn to resist uh, because you you brought in the the episode of uh, Nicodemus coming to see Jesus under the cloak of night, and I hadn't even thought about it in these terms that that like oh he tried to do it and on, on the sneak tip and everything, and how Jesus, <laughs> uh, uh, was adamant that like oh, yo why are you surprised and you kept bringing that for why are you surprised to hear this that we have to be reborn that we have to see things anew, and um I was really resonating like that was. One of them chat, and I, I shouldn't even say one. All of them. I started. I started shouting a little. Bit. Like honestly, I think y'all might have messed up by not dropping the cash app in there because you can't pass a physical plate. But like we needed to, you got to pass the collection plate when y'all be preaching like that. And it, but um, in this essay, reborn to resist, you talk about the necessity of of seeing things anew. And if you, don't mind, I don't want to put a whole passage in there, nothing. I, I want people to go get this book. But I, I want to read a, a quote here. You said we are reborn uh, when we re when we are reborn. We can see the world anew. We have new eyes to see and behold the beauty in our neighbor's humanity and the wickedness of the sins that crush them. Right. Um, and in that, that that to me is almost and, and I and I, I, I cause myself to say this because I hate when people try to boil down the faith into any message or whatever. But when we look at the Christian faith and what the resurrection means to us and, and what rebirth means, it's it's the ability to see new possibilities, right? Like beyond whatever notions of colorism we might have imbibed or uh, beyond the, the, the sin systems that have delimited our way of seeing things. We can't, uh, being reborn allows us to see new possibilities and to embody them. But the question I would like to pose to you, and um, this is one thing, if, if you could be like, yeah, I've never seen that before, that's fine. Like, if, like Trey, you tripping, like, you need to go back to seminary, that's fine. I'm, I'm, my feelings not going to be hurt in public. Like, I, I'm unpacking the therapy later. Um, but, but I do want to know, do you see rebirth as something of a process um, or, or, or a continuing commitment um, that, that we are called to as, as people, or if, if you happen to be a professing believer listening to this, do, do you think that that's like a continual process or is, is, is that like a, a decision or, or somewhere mm. in the middle there? Can oh, I make sense yeah. right now? Yeah, I think you are. And look, I'm not seminary trained. So I, Hey, Hey, I'm just, I'm just, you know, this is, this, this is black Baptist Sunday school pontifications is what I give y'all. Amen. All right. <laughs> Amen. And I'm, I'm very, I'm very grateful for it. So y'all go on here, run on the seminary, um, and do your thing. We need y'all. Um, 
No, no, I think so. I mean, there are lots of traditions and denominations who de that will debate about this, about what it means to be uh, born again, what it means um, to be filled with the spirit. Um, what, what does sanctification mean? Um, the way I think about it is, um, is, is really a, uh, Mark chapter eight has this story of Jesus healing um, a blind man. And it's a multi-layered healing. And I, and I think of myself uh, in many ways as a person who needs multi-layered healing. I am going to need healing until I see Jesus face to face. There's no doubt about that. <laughs> I, I, I can speak for myself. I'm going to need that until I see Jesus face to face. And I imagine some people may resonate with that. Um, I, am, I am still... Um, I'm not where I need to be. I know that I'm a work in progress. And so what, what we see in that, in that passage is we see uh, Jesus do this first round of healing. And what happens is the, the person can see, but they see, and I would make the case, they see people in an objectified way. They're seeing people as trees in that passage. And, um, and then there's another round of healing in which they then can truly see Jesus and they can then see, truly see people. And I think as believers, we are going to continually need, need a touch from heaven, a touch from on high, so that we can continually to see ourselves rightly, to see other people rightly, but also to see the Lord, to see the Lord. Um, and yeah, so, that, so that is, that's really what I was thinking about, how, yes, of course, we are reborn, and we are reborn to resist. And the primary thing that we are resisting are our lives, lies about ourselves, um, the misshaping of, of who Jesus is. We see this happening all over the place in America, all these different Christianities and these different Jesuses <laughs> that are out there. <laughs> Obviously, we need, we, need, we need some additional touches of healing, you know, because um, we, we're very likely, I think we're prone, particularly based on fear, we are prone to objectify. But God is gracious to provide this continual healing for the believer. And I think of that in some ways as the, the rebirth, um, that it is a that we are born, but we are being, we're continually being born again. Christianity is filled with paradoxes, right? So we are and on one hand holy because God is holy. And on the other hand, we wild, you know, we tripping. <laughs> so yeah. I mean, oh, yeah. if you had not noticed, and but yet those things can exist at the same time. I think one of our issues is that we often have a very dichotomous black and white Western way of thinking. Um, but there are other parts of the world, for example, that are able, I think, to hold the paradoxes of the faith better than some of the limitations of our Western kind of oriented thinking. And, and, and our faith is just, it's, it's replete with paradoxes. And if you're a person who is like, no, God, I need this to be real clear. I need it to be yes or no. I need it to be black or white. That's not Christianity. <laughs> that's, that's, I, I, don't, I don't think that's biblical Christianity. I think, I think we, we, are, we are sitting in the tension until we're sitting in glory. I think we're sitting into the tension and so we're sitting in glory. And so, and, and I think as we mature, we then begin to, to identify even more with, uh, you know, the words, I believe, but help my unbelief. I mean, that's a paradox of, of the Christian faith. And we're invited into that statement. We're invited to be able to say that. Um, now, our culture that we're happy to be able to say, no, you can't say that because you're not for real if you say that. But we have an invitation to be able to sit within the tension and the paradox. God has enough grace for us to be able to sit in that tension. Yeah, I I love that. And I I loved in this essay, you kind of, you started it off uh, strong with that Frederick Douglass quote, mm -hmm. uh, <laughs> that I love the pure, peaceable, and impartial mm -hmm. Christianity of Christ. I therefore, 
hate uh, the corrupt slaveholding. You know, therefore, yeah, he's like, oh. he's like, you That's like why. that part? Keep keep on listening. <laughs> this is what I hate, though. Yeah. <laughs> because of that, go ahead. I said, here come the receipt. That's what it right. is. Right, I know. Yeah. <laughs> and that and, was a consistent theme too, like the receipt after receipt in every chapter, receipt after receipt. Yeah. And I was just, that's why I'm like, y'all let the chopper sing. <laughs> I gotta go. <laughs> and I was like, okay, Dr. Everson did not come to play with this reward to resist. <laughs> and I, what I love that you do in that uh, pointing to that rebirth uh, that trade lifted up in that prophetic element is you do lift up uh, a new way that there is a new way possible. And I think in this age of talking about deconstruction, uh, I'm pretty public about often that deconstruction talk really doesn't include black people at all. Um, and our faith and <laughs> our lived reality. Um, I like that you are lifting up, hey, there is a there's a way, there's another way, there's another option. And I think sometimes we are left with either believe or don't believe, but you're like, hey, we don't have to follow this Christian nationalism. There is another way. And so I'd love yeah. both of you to speak to. Uh, what you're seeing, what you feel, what what you see in the scriptures as a, another way possible. Yes, in this chapter, but what are you seeing in general um, about that another way that's possible to follow God, given all that we have experienced? Uh, yeah, well, you know, I think that the um, the other way is not a new way. <laughs> I think uh, the other way is... Um, because the truth doesn't change, right? So I think mm. the other way is a narrow path. I think it is a narrow road. I think it is taking up your cross and denying yourself. I think it is it's upholding, uh, uh, looking out for the interests of others uh, above your own. You know, I think it is holding on to the apostolic faith that was once and for all handed down to us uh, from not only apostles, but from our foremothers, our ancestors, um, our own grandmothers, our mamas. I know that this is now changing in this generation and not everybody had a praying grandmama and that not everybody has a praying mama. Uh, but I do think that the, the other way is an old way. It's the tried and true way. You know, um, it's, the, it, it's that, uh, that, that road to glory, you know, uh, that is paved with suffering. That's not to glorify suffering. Uh, whether you glorify it or not, it is going to happen. <laughs> it's we, here, whether you ask for it or not. It's here. I don't know if you've noticed, uh, you know, yeah. uh, we've got a whole lot of things going on, you know, so, you know, uh, I mean, we are in a pandemic still, you know, right now, uh, fascism is just, ain't got no quit. Um, you know, there's just a lot of things going on, you know, and so mm. I think that that other way is um, holding on, you know, to that faith. I think it is looking on setting our face like flint like jesus did when he went to calvary i think it's us looking to jesus who is the author and the finisher of our faith um i do think it's holding on to a countercultural lifestyle like you know what i mean uh I, and i do believe that it still means that holiness is still right it is still right it is the way you know walk in it um, because without it, no one will see the Lord. 
And so uh, I know that's not cool. <laughs> you start no, you, you, you speak and not true. in vogue. <laughs> you know yeah. what I'm saying? Like, not sexy. <laughs> you know, um, it's just, it's not sexy to say deny yourself. Yeah, like, no, we don't live after the dictates of the flesh. We live after the dictates of the spirit. And those things are actually in tension with one another. I know that's hard. That's, that's Romans 7 right there. Like, ah, the things I should do, I don't do. You know, the things I don't want to do is what I do. You know, and so I think that, I think it really is that. You know what I mean? And so I think it's a, about holding on, you know what I mean, to the, to the core of the faith and knowing that we are not in some sort of American silo. I know that's the way the, the, the faith has been received and, and conceived here, but we are, this is the Catholic church. <laughs> this is a global faith. It's not just us, you know what I'm saying? We are by the spirit locking arms with saints in Rwanda. By the spirit, we're locking arms with saints in Thailand. By the spirit, we are locking arms with saints in Samoa. Okay, so we can't lose sight of that. You know, there are people that are dying for this faith. You know, there are people in war-torn countries in Ethiopia and Tigray, I will lift up because don't nobody care about African lives. So I'm gonna lift up that war um, in addition to what's going on in Ukraine, and in addition to what's going on in Yemen, in addition to what's going on in Syria um, and Palestine. We are locking arms with these people. And these, these are people that are dying for the, they're in war-torn countries praying for God to intervene, you know? And so, and so all this deconstruction, all this stuff is just rooted in a lot of elitism. What elitism is what I would add. And so that's why I believe it's important to recover, you know, and hold on to that, the core of the faith. So, and I'm going to stop preaching. <laughs> oh, you pre you're preaching a good word. Uh, you're preaching a mighty good word. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, mm. one more time for the people in the back. Um, <laughs> uh, Dr. Emerson, what about you? What about the, this way? Yeah. Um, amen to all the things. Um, and, and well, and, and in addition to that, I would say, um, we are, we have been given uh, an invitation to rest. Yes. So there, there's a, there's a sense in which we, there's no doubt about this. What Kimmy just described, we are going to be, be buffeting the flesh. Like if you hear words like that, if you hear words like mutual submission, um, if you hear, if you, if you hear words like forgiveness <laughs> and you're like, ah, well, I'm sorry, that's, that's real baked into Christianity. I mean, um, the, 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 the one who is the highest went to the lowest on the agenda of love. The one who is the highest, who's, who had the pure and holy reputation, went to the lowest, went to the lowest. And so this is a, this is a faith where the head of the faith is not, an, is, it, you know, it's not you know, some dude at a mega church. The head of the church is the one who um, demonstrated love through humility. And so that is, I think that's our call is a, is a life that is marked with humility and, you know, humility is not, I mean, humility is not really humility unless you are showing it, um, you know, to people that's tripping, <laughs> you know, it's like, you know, scripture talks about like, you know, you know, anybody can do good to somebody that's good to them. It, the, the, the distinction of the Christian faith, like, like our Lord is that we do good to those who don't deserve it. 
that is that's what Jesus did. Um, and so, I, I mean, I, I think the way the way the way forward is the way down. It's it's the lowly way. It's 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 the lowly way, and I think that that is where we will find our strength. Um, now, and I'm saying this knowing that people take advantage of kindness. They take advantage of of people who are trying to go the lowly way, the gentle way. Of course, they do. But I also believe that that God does get to avenge on behalf of the world and on behalf of God's children. Like I, I believe, so I have a, I believe in a God that can get mad. <laughs> I believe, and I, and I believe that stands in line with my four mothers who were in chains, that they believed in a God that we can't take revenge. And so I do really do entrust those who are hard to love, um, who have set themselves up as enemies. I, I have entrusted them over to the Lord. It's a daily practice and that either the Lord will give them the, the grace of correction and transformation, just like with me, I need the grace of, of transformation and correction. But I also believe that God does avenge the horrors that have been done to us. I, I do believe that. And I think, and I think when people hear that and they're like, what, that doesn't seem loving. Oh, no, no, no. Because there's some pains that people have that the most loving thing to do would be to avenge the pain. <laughs> that, that is what love, love looks like. A judge who says, not on my watch, not on my watch. You, you put your knee on Floyd's, George Floyd's neck and not on my watch. That's what love looks like. Um, is bringing to bear consequences. And so I think because I have a view that God is holy and kind and gracious and good to me and his love is transformative and that God is going to get right all those who've done me wrong and the many people I love wrong, in some ways that allows for me to live in some degree of surrender. So this idea of rest, resting in the promises of God, resting in the promises of God. This world is chaotic right now. It's chaotic in here, inside our brains. It's chaotic outside of us. And, and, and the thrice holy God is calling us to rest. And I cannot think of a sweeter and kinder invitation in the midst of this world is, is the invitation of the thrice holy God saying, rest in me, rest in me. And uh, I've, I, have, I am working to take God up on that invitation because my soul desperately needs it. I'm going to sneak in something real quick before Trey closes us. So one got to go. No, you're not, Robert. No, you're not. (laughs) Y'all ain't right. Wow. Luther. Luther. What? Marvin Gaye. Look at how they made it, man. (laughs) B.B. Or Teddy Pendergrass. Wait, I'm sorry. Ooh. Ooh. One more again. I'm sorry. Yeah, it's okay. So one got to go. Then that this is flipped for y'all. I, clear, clearly. Yep. <laughs> Luther, Marvin, BB, or Teddy Pendergrass. I can answer that. Okay. Oh, okay. You said it quick. Okay. I can't answer that. So, 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 so Marvin Gaye can't go nowhere. Okay. I mean, that's just, I, I just don't even think that's right, Robert, for you to even put that in there like that. I was going to say, this dropped in my spirit on a run. My last name this is, is gay. This is spirit. <laughs> this is this spirit. That's, the, that's a good answer. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Are you so, sure it was your spirit or what? what, what, what? <laughs> I know. This, was this that is the not spirit a work of the, of the flesh. flesh. What brother? We need to We locked arms, man. So, so, so it can't be Marvin. Luther Van, Luther Vandross is an institution. So we just not even gonna play play around with that, okay? Um, And then Teddy Pendergrass. Let me tell you something. 
R&B is a serious matter. R&B is a serious matter, okay? So, and, 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 I, and I love the whiners. Let me be clear with you. I love the whiners, okay? I'm, I'm sitting here in the city of Nashville right now. We respect and honor the prophetic uh, psalmist of the whinings. Mm-hmm. But but on real real it's it's out of that list. It's gonna have to be BB, and mm. and, it, and it is what it is. Bless you. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Bless you. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Me. For me, um, yeah, it, it can't be Luther. You lost. It, it can't be Luther. It can't. Be, it can't be. It can't be Big Luther or Skinny Luther. That's right. That had already passed on. I mean, I just feel like this list is unfair. (laughs) Marvin, we lost Marvin way too soon. Can't be Marvin now. Can't be Marvin. Uh, And um, you know, Teddy, Teddy, we also lost. And yeah, it can't be Teddy. Teddy been through a lot. It can't be Teddy. I love Teddy. Come on and go. Come on now. Come on over to my place. <laughs> it's got, it's got, it's got. Listen, y'all don't y'all don't know that she got a, know. she got she got y'all a repertoire. A y'all repertoire. wasn't there. <laughs> you wasn't outside. Okay, I wasn't there. Outside, I was on the porch. Honestly, for real, for real, for real, I was properly conceived to either Marvin or Teddy, maybe both. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to say it's BB. It's BB. Yeah. I love you, BB, but now, okay. now, now, if you had put, put BB and CC together, I may, have had, I may have had to reconsider. Yeah, there's no I mean, way. That's, you, true. That, that's true. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, it came. It came down. It came down to, to BB and, and and Teddy, in my opinion. And I think I think BB had to go yeah. just because uh, Teddy gets a bump for the way that T Pain has profaned his name. Like uh, like we we need to we need to put extra respect on it after what that that young man with the with the robot voice did. Oh. I, don't, I don't appreciate it. One that's why they call it Teddy. What now? No, Mr. Payne, you stop that, right? No, stop that, Mr. Mr. Payne. We won't allow that. All right. Um, okay. Dr. Everson, <laughs> Sister Kimini, thank you so much for blessing us with your time. Um, thank you so much for letting us read this this magnificent book, this prophetic book, this truth telling book, truth table, yes. black women's musings mm. on life, love, and liberation. It will be shipping out on April 26th. Do I have that correct? April 26th. So but yeah. pre-order, out, available for pre-order now, right? Pre-order, yeah. yes. Absolutely. That's one of the biggest ways you can help choose table. For real. Yeah. Run it up. Yeah, yeah run I'm up them. do that. Run, run up them, them numbers. Pre-orders in. Make sure that when you get that book, you leave a review on Amazon, Goodreads, wherever you at. We're we going to help these sisters get this word Absolutely. out. Absolutely. Um, Thank you. This this one of them things where even if, uh, even if you in the standing room section like us, reading it is going to bless your life. We now have a Patreon, which Patreon. I want to encourage each and every one of y'all to, to visit at uh, patreon.com slash three black men. Uh, think through it, pray through it, ask God <laughs> if, if he would have you partake in this work that we're doing. Because on top of some bonus content here, we have uh, some blog pieces going up. There's going to be some devotional content coming out. And I want to encourage you guys um, to visit that Patreon, patreon.com slash three black men. Go watch and, um, my kids ruin my videos. Go ahead. Watch, watch them. <laughs> them. Them babies ain't ruin nothing, man. As a matter of fact, there's more people going to sign up to, to see them babies. How about that, bro? <laughs>